This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. In what way does the Holy Spirit work within the church to help us in our own spiritual growth? This topic and more in today's show. Good day, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm here with Thad Keno once again in the Planned Podcast. How are you doing today, Thad? I'm doing good. Thanks good. for having me. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having me. It's <laughs> funny. I tell people about the podcast, and you know, even I think last time we were talking about encouraging people to follow us and you know tell people about it if you like it. And when people ask about it, I'm like, oh, when did you start this? I, go, I, I say, well, Thad talked me into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I kind of did. I wanted yeah. you to do something. I, I like your teaching. I think uh, because of so, I'm just a I'm just a Bible student, right? right. But yeah. you're actually formally educated in in the Bible, and so there's maybe some areas that I impinge on maybe slightly deeper um, because I focused on them. But I love the well-roundedness that you bring to to your teaching, and so it's really it's really a great thing for me. And I learned so much from from the way that you handle the text and and stuff. And so you know I appreciate it, and it's it's fun. And I also think that together, um, when we're spurring on each other to this conversation, right. yeah. there's some really neat things that begin to happen. You know, we there's other passages that tend to come up that right. we're thinking about and we just see the unity and the the harmony of God's word. No, I I, I agree. I think it, it is cool to see what happens and we enjoy these discussions and a couple of thoughts come to mind is one I get really nervous knowing that this is out there in, you know, available not just for our congregation but for others to see and listen to because you're right I I do have my masters of divinity. I have been educated in this kind of well-rounded sense, but I also at times, like, oh, I could, I could really spend more time, and I need to take my scholarship more seriously. <laughs> and at, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned there are some things that I've said out there that are, are uh, questionable. But, but having said that, I, I think the, the other thing that came to mind, really more serious, but well, that is serious, but is that this is a spiritual formation podcast in a lot of ways. I mean, this is our season on spiritual formation, but everything we're doing from the very beginning is hopefully helping others in your um, understanding of the scriptures, God's purposes for your life, his calling on you, what his salvation is about, and then how all of that is for God's desire to make us more and more like Christ. And, 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 and part of that is being in community. And even though we're just Often it's just me and you. We're hoping to have some more guests on as we've talked about that. But there is something when the Holy Spirit brings his people together and we commune and have fellowship around the word, um, he uses that in his process of sanctifying us, of making us more like Christ, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, there's nobody on the planet that has perfect theology. Exactly. Right? And uh, except for the Lord Christ, who was the word. But uh, the idea is in this covenant relationship that we have with God is to be walking and following in trust and obedience to the call and holding his word above all for our our learning 
And then this is what the body does. You know, it rebukes and it corrects and it, yeah. it instructs and stuff. And that's why if I happen to be teaching one day and you're in, and, and you're in the class listening and Sometimes I'll say something and I'll give you a look to see if you've raised an eyebrow (laughs) and it'll maybe allow an opportunity to say, you know what, this is, this is really more orthodox than what they're saying or whatever. And that doesn't happen very often, I don't think, but it's a, it's fun. And it's Mm -hmm. also good to have a couple of uh, opinions on the non uh, dogmatic type things that that you can, that you can play with it a little bit and and, and see where the spirit is. Maybe have a couple different views that are harmonious. I mean, just look at some of the um, interpretations of the book of revelation, for example, right? Some, some are orthodox, some are not. And so we we have to handle that carefully, but the main things are the plain things, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and even beyond the interpretations of the scripture themselves, it is, it is the, so what's, what does this look like in our life? How how's this playing itself out? And what are our cultural challenges of the day? Uh, and you know, when we and I think that's one of the best things for me too is when we start talking into some of those situations or reflecting on past opportunities for spiritual growth or even into the future, uh, given this situation or how this is playing out in our relationship with our wives or with work or with our kids. Uh, with both of us now have adult grown kids, but but that's the you know brings on a whole other set of challenges, you know, so, but, and even like in, in, in small group settings or with, with uh, our friends here within the church of how do we work out those relationships or how do we help each other out? I think it becomes very important because it is uh, one of the things that I think I want to get in today is our, who our identity is in Christ uh, is an important, how we have that mindset is a very important in terms of how we view our, our, spiritual formation right because our spiritual formation is is it's it's in one sense it's, it is that character development of becoming more like Christ but but it's also tied very deeply into where we see ourselves going and in, in the mission God has given us as his people so if we have a new identity in Christ and I'm to follow him then oh maybe my life has to start looking like his life looked here in the flesh and his life had a very specific trajectory to it. It, it was very much geared towards, yes, teaching the Word of God, exhibiting it, living it, but, but he very much was, at some point, knew he had to set his, his eyes on Jerusalem, which eventually meant Calvary, which meant, you know, his, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. And how do we, if we're following him, what does that look like for us? Because he says, take up your cross and follow me. He says that I'm going to raise you up with me and seat you with me in the heavenly realms. And if that is my current status with Christ, I've some way have am walking that by faith with him. What does that look like now? What does that mean when he says all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me? Now you, as you go through your life, go make disciples and baptize them and teach them. Uh, was that just, was he only speaking to his apostles you know, and his disciples then, or is that is that command for the whole church? Yeah, it's for the whole right. church. And I think what came out in our previous um, episodes is that it is not much different in the old covenant, right. right? And we see this in some of the characters of the of the storytelling, right? So yeah. we'll we'll see a character like um, David, for example, when he's young, and how he is walking through his youth and. F- for the most part, he is always pointing to the power of God, yeah. you know, to, to do per- certain things. And then we see some of his character flaws 
as he as he gets a little bit older, right? So we can see the characters, and the same with Peter. How is um, Peter's spiritual growth in the in the narrative um, shown his spiritual growth process throughout the entire thing, right? Yeah. So there's all these things that we can look at just as right. examples. Sometimes it's a little bit hard. There's some there's some scriptures that point to what that means, but the rest is is just it's it's walking out this life just as they yeah. did back then. Right. And if you look at if you think of the prophets, and I know last week we looked at some Jeremiah and the mm-hmm. New Covenant and even some of the the harsh words in, in Jeremiah seven that that pointed to why we needed the New Covenant. <laughs> but really if you think about it, the so much of the prophets as the covenant enforcement mediators, the one who are coming back and calling people to the carpet for what? It's not just that their lives are immoral. It's that they're not fulfilling their covenant recalling and responsibility to be God's people. Right. The whole point of being God's people is to be his witnesses into the nations, to be a blessing to them, to be the pre a kingdom of priests that point people to Yahweh. And they're not doing that in their life and how they're living. Uh, to even give them the right to tell them about the wonderful God they serve because they're cheating and worshiping other gods and they're... They're being unjust in their relationship to people in the marketplace and in their families. And, you know, they're just not being who God called them to be. And it's the same thing for us today. When when our lives don't match up to the words we proclaim, you know, it, it causes problems. And so there's this constant exhortation, you know, to to be more and more conformed to the image of Christ and to his will and to his purposes. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that um, I, I think, and this has to do again with the narrative of the Bible and all the different characters that are that are um, listed from the Old Testament on through, is as the Lord calls um, a person or a particular people, let's just talk about um, the Lord's calling of the Hebrew children out of Egypt. Yeah. Right? He says, I want to be your God. I'm going to do this thing for you. Right. Right. All you have to do is follow me. So he sets up the plan. Um, Moses is, is commanded to execute it. He doesn't want to, but God convinces him. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? And then he leads them out. And all the people have to do is, first of all, collect all the gold from Egypt and then go to freedom across the <laughs> river. The Lord has was the power, the pillar of fire. He protected them from, from the, you know, Pharaoh's army. And now they're on the other side and, and they're free. And you talked about this last time and he says, okay, I'm going to take you into the promised land. And they can't, they can't make it that easy just and keep following and trusting, but they have to come up with something to complain about. They're not, they're (laughs) not living it out that in the covenant that God said, I'll, I'll take care of all of your needs. Right. Right. And it's the same thing. And what we we were talking about in our Hebrews class, as we get into um, the time that Christ comes and he is now conquered uh, the grave and has been the final sacrifice for all times with the Jewish children that, um, see that Christ, they kind of believe that Christ is a son of God, but yet they can't give up the old right. temple sacrifices, right? So this is, this is the human tendency is kind of to want to fall back towards the flesh sometimes, yeah. isn't it? It is. And we often still consider, or at least I do, and I, I know other Christians the same way, 
there's still in the back of my brain somewhere, I think it's that old man that, that it's there. So, well, I still got to do something. You know, there's still something that I got to do. And because the reality is, yes, and we talked about this last time, obedience is important. But that obedience has nothing that has does nothing in terms of achieving a status that I desire. The status is already there. Right. Right. It's because of the status that now I view my life in such a way that, oh, because I have this status, now I live this way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I live this way totally in his power and his strength, not in not in mine. It, it, it's because I trust, because I see his wisdom and see that his way is trustworthy. I think that's a lot of what we I was trying to do, maybe rather clumsily in our last episode, I don't know, is that you know the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, and then all the regulations or all the ways that that looks. It's a revelation of God's character and a revelation of his wisdom of how to apply that in our life as as we as Israel in that context, in that covenant, ancient Near Eastern context, how they were supposed to reflect God's character. Um, not to attain a status or maintain a status, but because that's who he made them to be. And and it's revealing the trust, those that those covenant regulations and the 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 um the what it reflects ultimately is what does Yahweh say about what it looks like to love him, worship him, and um, be a blessing to the nations, be a blessing to my neighbor. Uh, how were they? How was Israel different from the Moabites or the the Amorites or the the Philistines or you know the Egyptians or the Babylonians or whoever? Um, it, that's that's what it was there for, just to reveal a, a different kind of people who had a different kind of God, not to earn anything. Mm, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And so and so it is with us in Christ. Right. The we there are personal benefits of coming to church and experiencing the means of grace and being in a small group and praying and reading my Bible. All of that is part of what God uses to transform me. But ultimately, it's Christ who accomplishes it. I'm 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 um, I am in one sense already set apart and sanctified in Christ. It's an already deal. And there's a not yet where that's going to fully and finally happen by Christ's power alone and, and, and the Spirit's power alone um, in the new heavens and the new earth. But in the meantime now, I, I do cooperate with him in some sense as, as I o- obey. And, right. And I, don't, I, don't, I don't achieve anything myself. It's all done by Christ, but I do in my... Between the now and then, uh, the cooperation I think that um, that you're referring to is a love response to what yes, Christ yeah. has done in us. Right? I'm not contributing right. anything to right. the work of Christ, right. but I am um, yielding and submitting and uh, uh, doing the works that He's prepared in advance for me to do. Exactly. When you speak yeah. of the already, not yet, here's an already statement of scripture from First Corinthians it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yeah. Right. We are a new creation if we're in Christ. Because why? Because he loved us, because he changed our hearts. And now we are this new creation. That's that's the already part of it, right? And it says that everything's become new. And so now what? Right. Well, what's the love response to that relationship? You thank you and 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 you follow, right? So mm-hmm. if if you love God, you will want to serve him. You know, we're not going to do that perfectly in our flesh, 
But as we're led by the Spirit, we are going to to grow because we're planted in the, in the, by the streams of living water. Right. You know, which is his word. Yeah. And, uh, and walking that out. And now our heart's desire has been changed to want to serve him. So I think for every, for every one of us that say that we love God and we and we believe that in our hearts, we, we should be able to say, hey, you know what? I stand here as a new creation and um, Lord, I hear your word and my, de- my desire is to walk out in what you've called me to. And that's just, that, that's the obedience to, to the rest of the scripture. Right. And so I, I just had the thought, I didn't even really prepare this. I didn't prepare you for this, <laughs> but uh, I, I want to read from chapter 13 of the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is on sanctification. Now, again, that word sanctification is 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 to be made holy, okay? And we can say this in one sense, we that's something God, Christ has already done. He's already set us apart as a holy people. Um, but the, it, And we know one day we'll be fully and finally there, but there is also this, this more and more sense of what's happening in our life right now. Right. And so um, here's what the Westminster Confession of Faith, which we in the Presbyterian Church hold to, uh, says in, in chapter 13, article 1, it says, They who are once effectually called and regenerated, so effectually called, we've heard the call of the gospel and received it, and, and that we're, we're made new, those new creations in Christ, regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them are further sanctified, really and personally, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, by his word and spirit dwelling in them. So all this is by the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection. So that's the basis. There's no basis of sanctification on me, but it's all by his death and resurrection. And then it says, but then it's, it, it shows itself by his word and spirit dwelling in us. right? And that's the whole new covenant we were talking about, right. writing the law of God on our hearts. Right. So Then it says, the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed that's its power over us. The dominion is, is destroyed. And the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified. That's that more and more. That's that process that's happening. It's that it's more and more weakened and mortified in this life, and they more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving grace. So as there is more and more of the defeat of sin in my life, there's also the more and more of that saving grace being shown itself in the new man, the new life, which is growing up in salvation. It says, to the practice of true holiness. That's my daily life. That daily practice is going to start looking more and more holy. It says, without which no man shall see the Lord. And um, so uh, I, I really like how it puts that, that more and more. I like that more and more language because there are some things it talks about as, as already done. There's some, but it also is saying there's a more and more process that is happening right now in us. Uh, so I thought that would just be is good for us to think about that. And I want to put some of those terms in in light of First um, Peter chapter one. So there's in First Peter chapter one. We're not going to do an extensive, you know, exposition of this, but I just want to highlight some things that are there. I want to start in the first few verses. He says. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, elect exiles, uh, that's, a, that's a loaded term. The, the elect are the chosen, okay? They're the ones God has chosen, and they're exiles. Where are they exiles from? 
Yeah, so this would go all the way back to the Old Testament, right? And we had a couple of um, takeovers. One was mm-hmm. <laughs> from Assyria and Babylon, yeah. right? And the kingdoms or the Jewish people and the tribes were scattered abroad. Yeah. And so um, we get all the way to the New Testament, there's still leftovers. Yeah. Leftovers left over. Right. <laughs> you know, right. The, the elect are left over up in those areas. And yeah. I think those are the ones that end up that we see in Pentecost that have come to Jerusalem. Yeah. Right. And I would argue even but then there are new elect exiles in that that even the um the Gentiles who are coming to faith yep. from the and are being joined in, they're now part of that same group. Right. 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 But 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 we're all still in somewhat in exile. And we'll look at that here maybe in a little bit f- future. There's a sense in which we still have to have a mentality of an exile. And so uh, I'll get there. But he says they're exiles of the dispersion, and then he lists all these different regions, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Then he says, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit. And so we see here the role of the Spirit in sanctification, that this... Um, and then he says, for obedience to Jesus Christ in the speaking of his blood. So, the verse 2, there's a loaded verse. There's a lot in there. We can't unpack it all. You might need to go back and listen to our <laughs> season <laughs> 3, I think, on Reformed Theology. But, but just quickly, it says, according that these exiles, it's all according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So God has had a plan from the very beginning. He knows intimately his people, this foreknowledge, this intimate knowing, relational knowing of the people that are his. Real so quick, I was just trying to catch up with you. What, what part of Peter are you in? First Peter? First Peter 1, I'm in now in verse 2. Okay, oh, so okay. it is first. Peter. Right. Yeah. Good. Uh, he says, that according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit. So, again, we're, this is a spiritual formation series. That spiritual formation is that, is another way of saying that is we often talk about it in terms of Christian sanctification, right? Yeah, and, and sanctification so, is just a word that means a call to be separate or you're to separate from... Right, like you're, to, be holy, to be holy, which is to be separate and set apart. And what that start, what that means is that your that's going to start. Your life is going to start reflecting that in what it looks like. Different, right? Just, the opposite of, of of looking like the world. Yes. you're going to look like God. You're, right, you're going to be more right. like okay. But it's also a status that we have been given right now in the sense that we are holy ones. We are set apart. You know, uh, people uh, in Christ. Right, and it says, but here it says it's in the sanctification of the spirit. So why why do you think he puts it in the sense of the spirit here? Well, for any good and perfect gift, it has to be by the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. That's that's what I'm seeing. Did I'm okay? There, are you looking well, for more? Well, yeah. There? Well, I think we we see that who is it that unites us to Christ? It is the Spirit, right? Right. And who is it that is right now with us? Who's who's the one? Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and He sends the Spirit to us. And so the Spirit is is the one who has that de- that good deposit of the inheritance that we have right the right? spirit so, is the power of god in us with the, po- yeah, the power exactly, of christ right. christ or god it's the spirit that's the, the, yeah, and so so that work of sanctification we're relying on the spirit mm-hmm. applying that to us and then it says for obedience to jesus christ and for sprinkling with his blood and so it's that applying that that salvation to us that in obedience to jesus that in that 
that allegiance, that loyalty, yes, I'm going to do what he asks, and the Spirit's going to help us do that. And it's through obedience to Jesus that sanctification will start to show itself in our life, right? Right. And so um, so, it's, so that's, to me, that sounds a lot like what the, the uh, Westminster Divines were talking about in sure. there, right? It's, it's, it's being accomplished um, when it says, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, mm-hmm. um, that, that, that this is happening. And so, um, so he goes on, and then he talks about how we're then born again into a living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's caused us to be born again into a living hope. That's that, um, that new creation status that we have, that, we've been, that new identity. But that, that new identity has an—I'm going to use the word eschatological. It has a future orientation to it. Because that's what hope is. We have a living hope. And so in, in this future orientation, it's not just that I get to go to heaven one day. Right. But that future orientation, I would argue, it's actually that heaven's going to come to earth one day. <laughs> For sure. Right? But it, that, that's already started. It's already been inaugurated because I have, this, I have the Spirit. Right. right. And so we've talked about this before in terms of the temple. We are the, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is coming and it has come. Um, and so... Um, so I have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So there is something not yet to this. There's something already, but it, but it is that future orientation that I'm looking towards that is helping me um, with this identity. And so therefore, if if I have a living hope and there's something kept in heaven for me, how does this relate to the fact that, oh, maybe these current people are also exiles? How, how are we exiles today? Um, in the sense that uh, Paul says where our citizenship is in heaven. He's talking about here an inheritance that's kept in heaven for us. So and it's inheritance is something that I haven't fully obtained yet. I have the deposit of that inheritance in the Spirit, but I don't have the fullness of it, right? There's a not yet to it. Right. So what's what? that say to you in terms of how— how we view ourselves in Christ and in, in the spirit. Yeah. Let me see if I can work this through just a little bit. So I'll, I'll, I'll chat about our time that we spent in, in first and second Samuel and everything in first and second Samuel had to do with the land of Israel. Right. So just quick, for the podcasters out there who haven't been to our class, Sunday school class, <laughs> we taught a class together on First and Second Samuel. Right. Right. So this is what Thad's referring to. Right. Okay, so. and, it, and, it, and it's more about just the idea of when the Lord called his people out of Egypt, he was going to take them to the promised land, right? So when the kingdom finally gets set up and King David is the becomes a rightful king because the, the first king, Saul, really wasn't obedient. Right, right. Right. So David sets it up and he is the one that conquers the land from the inhabitants. And now they're in that promised land and it's not perfect, but Israel is for once for one in short period of time united. We have a united kingdom yes. in that, right? Well, when we were talking a little bit ago about the captivities, those right. are the exiles that you were talking about, the dispersion. Right. Right. Well, they were dispersed into these lands, right, from their mainland. Well, what does the Bible say about us as Christians now? Where where do we have residence in reality, in spiritual reality? In the heavenly realm. In heavenly realm. So we're exiles because we're not there. Exactly. We're here. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly the point. And as exiles, 
what's life like as an exile? Well, usually it comes with trials. It comes with an amount of suffering because you're not in your home, your mm-hmm. full home, and you're in some ways living under the rules of the foreign land. And so we are um, – that's how we, we, we experience that as a church. And, and I, myself, and I would say my feather bre- fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we often lament things aren't the way they used to be. Uh, you know, oh, we, why, do, why aren't we, we're not as Christian as we used to be. Well, the reality is we've never been that much <laughs> to some, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I, you could probably look back, okay, maybe a period in the 1950s or 60s or whatever where, oh, you know, there were more Christian-based laws or things, but even the church itself often abused those things or didn't. How accepting have we been of the nations uh, in general, living out our call to be to be his witnesses? It's I, I bring that up only to say is that if we're honest with life in this world, there's always that conflict and strife of having to battle against the systems and principalities and powers of the world that, that are trying to constantly lead us away from Christ, right? And so that is the life of an exile. And, and with that, so when he keeps on talking here, I'm going to jump to verse 6, where he says, um, in this you rejoice. Uh, the fact that we've been—I'll uh, I'll go back to verse 5. I'm sorry. He says— uh, who by God's power, this kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, the there's the that already not yet here. There, there's a sense we are in that time where it is being revealed, but it's not fully here yet. Uh, he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, uh, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not uh, do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow. What's this? He, there at the end, he's almost talking like I'm not saved yet. I'm obtaining. There's, there's something yet to what's he talking about there in terms of the salvation of your souls, of something that is still yet to be obtained. Well, there is a sense, and we, we've talked about this before in the podcast. We can talk about our salvation in terms of the past. I am saved. I am being saved right now from sin right. and from the powers of evil. But I will one day fully and finally be saved when, when there, that conflict is fully and finally resolved and the new heavens and the new earth are here and there's no more pain and suffering <laughs> and tears, right? And so he's, he's talking about that. The, 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 the point is, is that this life of trial now in exile is we are to live it in the living hope even though we are going to go through this and it is going to mean suffering and trial, our mentality is to live into that day that has not yet come. And so we can live even in the midst of those trials and sufferings with inexpressible joy. This is, first of all, this is so different than many of the um, watered down gospel messages being taught on television, right? You know, this is not about. Come to Christ, and you're not going to have any problems. Right. You're going to just give all your worries to God. I mean, it's true 
that he takes our burdens. But what you're talking about in the sufferings is 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 prominent throughout. And so, yeah. you know, I was looking at the Second Corinthians in, in chapter one. It says, "Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings." And also, it talked about in, uh, um, in another place that this is. A when we when we speak about being the elect of God, right, right, that's an elect an election for salvation, but it's been granted to us not only for our salvation by God, but also for us to suffer on His behalf. Right, there's a spiritual um, participation with Christ in the suffering, and it's kind of strange. And I don't really right. like the concept; I've never really been comfortable with it. But because the New Testament says that's what we're to go through, and that we will go through it, it's um, I have to believe that it's true. Right. I recognize that it's true because that's my life, you know, and it's different for every other person. But uh, the idea is that that hope that we have within the veil is spoken of in Hebrews. Yeah. Um, that's the presence of Christ. And also um, I, I'm thinking of in, in Titus, the blessed hope that, yeah. you know, that we right. have. And that's, that's what you're saying. It's the, the reality is, is yet to come down. Right. Right. But what we're doing as we follow Christ, as we are being transformed daily into his image, what I'm wanting to try to express to our listeners is that when he says, take up your cross daily and follow me, and that if we live into this living hope and this new hope, that we, we take on the trajectory of, of Jesus' incarnational, crucifixional resurrectional ministry. Mm-hmm. I don't do that because to pay for anybody's sins, not my own, or I can't pay for anybody else's. But I take on that same view of my life that I do, I see myself walking in and identifying with the issues of the world and my own sin issues and the brokenness of the systems, not that I think I have the power to change them in and of myself, but I live opposed to them, and I I do look for change in my life, and I call for change in the world um, as a witness to Jesus' resurrection, as a witness to the new creation that's coming, as 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 a lived out um, in faith. What I pray in the Lord's prayer that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right. Because I believe with all my heart in the resurrection and then my own resurrection one day and in the in the and in since the resurrection of this earth one day when the new heavens and the new earth are are here. And I live I live with a spiritual formation mentality that that's where I'm headed. And if unless I unless I see life with with those glasses on, then I'm I'm gonna then my spiritual formation is 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 gonna be I can easily fall into pull myself up by my own bootstraps right um, rather than seeing how the gospel itself and the calling on my life to reflect that is empowered by the resurrection by what he's done by the fact that my inheritance is imperishable it's undefiled it's unfading and it's kept in heaven for me even now which enables me then to be willing to endure and live into whatever God has for me that day. Uh, and I, I'm not good at that. 
I'm not. I I think that's the theology. That's the mentality. That's the call of the gospel in my life. But I resist that all the time. <laughs> yeah, isn't it commonplace for for us to think um, if something's going wrong, it's like, well, why me and why now? Yeah. Oh, if we read the New Testament verses that you've just been talking on, yeah. it's. Well, because you told us that this was going to happen and that there's a purpose behind it, right? Right. And it's like this this very reason that you were called in First Peter chapter 2. It'll go on saying the chapter from where you're reading, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Right. Oh. And it's through that suffering that glory comes, right? Right. He says, concerning this salvation, verse 10 the prophets who prophesied about the about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. <laughs> it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which the angels long to now look. Um, that, that the That trajectory of the gospel and where it's taking us, but also the path which we go through uh, on the journey there, right, becomes very important. And do I see that as glorious? Um, and it's interesting, I think Romans 8 talks about this, you know, that all the, the sufferings, the different things, but there's something glorious about this. And and I don't, I, I don't think of those trials as leading to glory, often in my human mentality, and 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 when I when I'm just looking at through through things through my glasses or the glasses of the world, right? But we look at it through the the lens of Christ and the gospel and what He's doing. We see that oh, this is what holiness looks like. This is what a set apart life looks like. So so which leads to verse thirteen. He says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, and all of this has been leading what kind of the point of this particular episode I think is how we prepare our minds is we need this view of the gospel and the Christ and our life in in that is preparing our minds it says therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober minded set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ I woke up this morning and my mind wasn't ready for action. I was bemoaning different things that I knew was ahead, were ahead of me for the day. I was reflecting on some emails I'd gotten the day before. I was thinking about the season ahead and all the things that had to be done for the different programs or different things. And I'm just like, oh, I just wanted to run away and escape. Mm-hmm. Because I was thinking about how what I had to do. I was thinking, you know, I was laying all the burdens and responsibilities, heaping them up onto myself with a vision of um, of my own inadequacies. My mind wasn't prepared for action because I wasn't sober-minded in the sense that my hope wasn't fully set on Christ. Right. I, I was trying to set my hope on other people or, or myself or something or some other vision of life instead of Christ. And I think that that happens all the time. Uh, for me, I don't know about you, that, but but right. that what what snaps us out of that? What gets us into what what helps us move into Christian action? And what what 
helps get our mindset for the way the way spiritual formation really is happening and this transformation into life is the gospel itself. Well, that's exactly right. And in fact, you know, we as believers, and this is why, again, everything goes back to reading the Word of God, because God's ways are not our ways, and they're different than our ways, right? If we wanted our own way, everything would be peachy, hunky-dory all the time, right. and we would have this good life, and yeah, we'll, we'll believe, but but thanks for easy street. Yeah. And that's not what it's about. The life of the believer, um, as we talked about, is a life of suffering. And, you know, in Matthew, it says that we're to let our light shine before men. Right. Right. And what's the purpose for that? That that the world around us may see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. It says that um, our light, which is really not our light, but a reflection of Christ's light, right, is a witnessing tool to the world around us. Now, what was the light of Christ like when he was here? He was the suffering servant. Right. Right? That... He wasn't an NFL football star, basketball star, <laughs> right? Where everybody, of course, would love him. In right. fact, he was despised of men. But that light that we reflect um, includes the characteristics that Christ had while he was here to be a servant. And, and you can talk about being a servant and washing feet um, and all these other examples, but also in how we serve um, within the body of believers, which is you know part of our spiritual formation as well. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it takes, it takes effort. I mean, a lot of this is including, you know, cleaning toilets that are, you know, within the four walls of this church or, or all the other hard stuff, the blood, sweat, and tears caring for people that are, Mm -hmm. um, that are ailing. Uh, and, but I can't do all of that and you can't do all of that. And now we're talking about how do we function? It's the different bodies, parts of the church. Right. Yeah. And, and with that, I think the other thing that, with that is the sacrifice that comes with that. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes it means, um, yeah, I I need to give up some time doing some other things in order to serve in that way. So my sacrifice may not look the same as Jesus <laughs> in that I'm going to have to endure the cross, but maybe I'm at that stage in my spiritual formation right now where like the cross I need to bear is to be able to say I'm going to give up an hour of TV time. Uh, in the one evening, even though I'm tired and I and I worked a ten hour work day, um, to go spend an hour with my small group, right? You know, because because I need to be a part of that community. That's where my identity is, and so uh, I I'd rather be sitting on in my big easy chair with my bowl of popcorn and my soda or whatever your beverage of choice is at night. Uh, you know, the to to go do this because that's what God wants wants me to do. You right. know, it can take a lot. It can do a lot of things. Maybe it means I'm going to give up my um, Saturday uh, whatever thing in order to go um, serve at the rescue mission in Detroit or where whatever the thing is that God's asked me to do. And you know when I think about oh that doesn't that really shouldn't be seen like that big of a sacrifice, but maybe that's where you are and like where that is a, a big thing and and taking that step is that is that thing you give up because Christ gave up His life for you I can give up this for Him right I think the act of service just needs to be accompanied I don't think I know that the act of service just needs to be accompanied 
by the name of Christ, right? He'll, mm-hmm. like it says, if you give a couple cold water, do it in my name. That's, um, or that's how he was right. received at the people that were going out as disciples, right? Well, why is that important? Why, why when we just um, see people hurting, it's, it's good to help people that, like, let's just say the power went out and they didn't have water and we brought them water. But if we can bring them water and say, hey, guess what? This is this is from a people that love you and we're right. here to, to show you the love of Christ. It's now it's something that is reflecting the glory of God in that example. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There was, there's, well, I lost my train of thought. So what were you, what were you going to say? And I'll, I'll well, it, it made me think of another, when we talk about sanctification, we talk about becoming Christ, like when we talk about this life trajectory thing, it made me think of first Timothy chapter three. So he's been laying out a charge, reminding Timothy of the charge given to him to teach the gospel, to protect sound doctrine and to raise up leaders and, and he has the qualifications for overseers and for deacons and so forth in chapter 3. And then he says, Paul writes, says, I hope to come to you soon. I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God. So it's, it's part of what we've been talking about in participation in the body of Christ and as part of that spiritual formation. And, and, and he's been warning him of different things and encouraging him to do things. And then he says this. He says, uh, to be, how people ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. Now, it's interesting, throughout First Timothy, he has these little snippets where he kind of gives a little one or two sentence summary of the gospel, you know, or the good news of Jesus. But here he, he couches it or says it, that this is the mystery of godliness. Oh, this is what it means to be godly right here. So it's going to tell me about don't lie, don't you know, don't cheat, don't, you know, live this way, do these things. No, the mystery of godliness, this is what he says the mystery of godliness is. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Oh, the mystery of godliness is Jesus. It's, it's the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jesus. And what is, and how does he talk about Jesus' life? He talks about his earthly ministry and his resurrection and his ascension. It's it's the trajectory of his life. The mystery of godliness is that, oh, Jesus helped women across the street, you know, and, and helped them. He, he, he did serve people, right? Oh, Jesus never told a lie. That's the mystery of godliness. He lived the perfect moral life. Well, he did, but that's not the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness is that he was manifested in the flesh. He chose to become human. He chose to enter into your situation and my situation because we needed him, right? And he covenanted with the Father before the beginning of the world, right. you know, to do this. But but that's the point is, and then he says he was vindicated by the Spirit. What's that mean? Well, I, I believe that's talking about his his death, his crucifixion and resurrection, right? Why does he need, what, what needs to be vindicated? His death needs to be vindicated because he was innocent. How do we know he was innocent? Well, he was raised from the dead. So he was vindicated by the Spirit in his resurrection that his his death of paying for the innocent for for sinful lives, um, he didn't deserve it, but he but he did it, and it was vindicated by the Spirit. So we have his his incarnation, we have his crucifixion and resurrection here. I believe in the vindication by the Spirit, and then it says he was seen by angels. So we we was confirmed that yes, he was raised from the dead. Even the heavenly realm noted noticed this. Mm-hmm. He was proclaimed among the nations believed on in the world, the message of his good news of gospel is being proclaimed and is being received, okay, which is another form of vindication. 
And then it says he was taken up in glory. Um, this victory is, is there. And so that's the mystery of godliness. His life, his death, his resurrection, his, his, um, the proclamation of his, of his kingdom, and his um, ascension into, in, into the right hand of God. Oh, so if I want to know what it means to be godly, I look to what Jesus did mm-hmm. and what he is doing. Right. And my role in that now, how do I have a role in that now? Oh, yeah. Was I dead in my trespasses and sins? Yeah. Was I raised to new life by faith, by grace through faith? Yeah. Am I now, as Ephesians 2 says, raised and seated with him in the heavenly realms? Yeah. Oh, so maybe godliness, maybe this spiritual formation, this transformation that we're talking about means I follow Jesus. <laughs> right. Exactly. No, that's that's so true. Now, just to um, round it off, what we've been talking about suffering for Christ and um, that that's, that's part of our calling as Christians uh, and to be servants. What's the healthy way to look at that so we're not just thinking that we're going to out there be looking to suffer for him? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like like people that self-beat themselves right, right, or whatever, right. trying to, I'm suffering for right. Christ or um, you name it, you know, right. overexerting yourself to, to try exactly. to do the cause and stuff. Right. Who has God called you to identify with? So if you think about the incarnation, Jesus came and identified with humans we're already human, mm-hmm. but who are the people in, that God surrounded me with? And am I praying daily and ask God, who am I supposed to identify with? Who are my people? Who who am I supposed to be a witness to? Well, there's some easy answers to that. One's our family first. Then there's our community that we live in. But then maybe there's some maybe God's given you a particular burden for a particular demographic or a particular you know maybe like well my, I know my burden is. For some people might say for children, and so they work in children's ministry, or maybe their burden is um, is for the elderly, and so they help with the widow and the orphan, you know, or, or you know people who are needy in that way. God usually lays a burden on people in your life. Maybe it's a particular person at work or in your neighborhood that can seem seem to connect with you, and and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I. I now identify with them, and that means then when some trouble enters into their life, let's say maybe you, maybe you have a neighbor who's not in good health, and um, that's their problem. That's their deal. It's their health. I don't need it. Oh, but maybe because I identify with them, and Jesus owned my sin problem, my brokenness, now maybe I can own my, na- my neighbor or my coworker or some of them going through a trial, and now I own their problem. And so I help. How can I help them? Right. You know, maybe I had a coworker who who um, was in a, a car wreck, and they need. Some, what do we do? How do I? How do I own that? So I sacrifice. I enter into their suffering uh, as as if it were my own, just like G- Jesus did. Right. So those are those are some ways to do it. I don't have to get out a whip and beat my flesh. Yeah. You know. Well, the other thing about the the grace of God that um, comes alongside of that. Yeah. The grace comes alongside of our suffering um, and is that what I f- have found is that 
where and you're and you're talking about like where you're drawn to yeah. serve, what that burden on your heart is, is almost always where people end up being seated is in their heart's desires of things that they enjoy to do. Like yeah. I, I don't want to go watch um, Screaming Infants. That's not that doesn't fit my personality. I love children and mm-hmm. stuff, and I'll have fun with them. But the idea is not. That's not. That is, that, that is yeah. not my call, but it is for many others. Yeah. And that's fantastic. And so they're, they're, they're working for that, you know? And so there's, there's many other areas that the personalities of the, the person coincide with the, the leading of the spirit of God. Right. Um, do you guys, uh, do we here at mm-hmm. our church, now that I've been here for five years, I'm say <laughs> my church, um, do a spiritual gifts test? We do. We do offer that for all of our people who go through our new membership class. And we, um, anybody who's interested in that, you can email me uh, or call me at the church and we can recommend. There are several, but we do actually try to keep a little bit of an inventory even in our church database. There's any, everybody's personal profile. You can go, you can even go in there yourself and I, and, self-identify that these, this is my gifts, my passions, it's, my desires. Yeah, right? it was really neat. I remember doing this 20 years ago. Um, and just to, to walk through that and you're, you know, ours test was, let's just say I was marking, how do you feel about this level one right. to five type thing? And you go through that test and, um, and when the results came out, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's basically my personality. Yeah. That's my drawing. And, you know, some of that was leading me to teaching, right. uh, blah, blah, blah. So very, um, very neat uh, test. And it, all it is, is it, it doesn't have to force you to do something, right? But it's right. a it's a little guideline to give you some encouragement to do. So if you're not exactly sure, you know, what next step you might want to take in your area of serving, that's, a, that's not a bad way to go. Yeah, it is. And we've actually offered a class. We've used a curriculum that I think Saddleback Church um, produced called Shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we have the videos and and book and study guides and things and we've done that in small groups and that's always available to offer. That's one you know I think there's another one that's called Network that, that, that may have been from Willow Creek. There's several churches that or people have produced things like this to help you. But basically, it's find your spiritual gifts, find your passions, find how God's made you and and where you where you can fit in the body of Christ and serve. And it's as we serve in that way again that. That's part of that spiritual formation. It, 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 it's 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 not just Bible knowledge, you know. It's how that is played out in life. It's not just sharing your faith. It's not it's not just um, uh, you know participating in worship and all those. All those things are part of that. It's it's the whole thing together. But it is the the again the mentality of seeing yourself as a follower of Christ and a part of His body. Right. And then what is the what is our mission together? Uh, that the status always comes with mission <laughs> that that God gives us, and the mission is to be witnesses, to be worshipers of Jesus and witnesses of Jesus. And I think that's seeing having that mentality, and in in knowing that at times that's going to come with suffering, it's going to come with trial. Uh, people are going to come against us. Why do you worship that God? Why do you why do you bear witness to Him? Well, it's because that's where I find life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's where my life is. And so uh, I, I hope this has encouraged you to, to again, we've spent a lot of things setting up, you know, spiritual formation. We're going to get in some, some more practical, you know, maybe things into the future of things you can do. But we always need to go back and remember that unless you have this the right mentality, that this is a, a relationship rooted in grace, accomplished by Christ, 
The strength to do this is in the Spirit. And the, the more and more of turning away from the old ways and turning to the, the new life in Christ is, is all rooted in the gospel. Uh, and, and so um, that's where our strength, that's where our hope is. And, and if we don't have that mentality there with us, we will we can we'll start to fall into legalism. We'll start to fall into moralism. Right. We'll start to fall into um, self transformation, and we don't want that. Right. 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 So, I, either I, our eyes are on Christ, and when we're doing it wrong, it's usually because our eyes are focused more on ourselves. Yeah. You know. Right. So, so that's uh, good. So next week, um, on our next episode, we might bring this all the way around to some spiritual formation in our worship. Uh, yeah, we, I think we might start going there. I, I know in a couple of weeks we're going to have some vet guests coming in to help us with that. But I think we, I do want to start looking at um, what is this, why do we do some of the things we do? And and so... Uh, well, I ask that question to myself all the time. Why do right. I do that? Well, but you don't, that's not how you mean well, it. Well, no, I mean, I mean corporately <laughs> as a church, why, do, oh, why, why do we as a church decide to do certain things? And so something that the, the, we talk about in, in the Reformed faith is the means of grace. Right. So how do the means of grace, things like the preaching of the word and prayer and the sacraments, um, do we just do those as religious observances or do we do them or, or is there actually, do we actually believe there's spiritual transformation well, that's a, that's that is happening? That's a great happening place to go. So we'll do that. that yes, yeah, so I think we can, we can do that next week. Very good. All right. Thanks. Have yourself a great day. You too. Next time, Pastor Matt leads us in the topic of the means of grace, which is the church in action. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.